You're listening to Melissa and Lori Love Literacy. Welcome to today's book talk for Artfully Teaching the Science of Reading by Chase Young, David Page, and Timothy Rosinski. This is an important topic in literacy because many educators aim to be artful or creative in their teaching. But before we can add art to reading, we have to really know the research and science behind it. Let's jump in. Welcome, teacher friend. I'm Lori. And I'm Melissa. We are two literacy educators in Baltimore. We want the best for all kids, and we know you do too. Our district recently adopted a new literacy curriculum, which meant a lot of change for everyone. Lori and I can't wait to keep learning about literacy with you today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Melissa and Lori Love Literacy, Literacy Podcast. Today, we are hosting a book talk, and we are going to be talking about (laughs) artfully teaching the science of reading. So we love book talks, right, Melissa? Yeah. It's like one of my new favorite things that we do. I know. We're just doing them for every book that we're uh, (laughs) podcasting about. So (laughs) it's really fun because this is such an interesting way to think about this topic, to think about science of reading artfully. Yeah. So really exciting that we got to talk to all three authors for this book. So that will be coming out on Friday. So we have Chase Young, David Page, and Tim Rosinski, who's an old friend of our podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, really exciting to talk to all of them. And and I think you're right. I think it pushed our thinking a little bit mm-hmm. this week. And uh, it, it ch- challenged us in a in a good way, I would say. <laughs> Yeah, it did. It helped us kind of think outside our box. And yeah. it it's really thinking about this book as a bridge between the two major strands of reading instruction that are often held at opposite sides of the spectrum, right? right. The science of reading and like creatively or artfully teaching reading. Right. And I think, you know, to quote my favorite Dr. Becky, two things can be true. We (laughs) can use reading science and we can also be artful, creative teachers. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, sometimes you think when you think of science, you think, no, that that means there's one right way to do it and that's it. (laughs) And And I think sometimes that often like in our head, when we think about it, it might look like a robot or feel robotic or feel very like structured or stilted, but that's not really the case, you know? Yeah. But that there can be a balance of those two, which I think is great, right? That doesn't mean throw out the science Mm -hmm. (laughs) and just do what feels good, right? But that there is a balance of these two things, which it's hard to find that balance, but it's good to remember that there is a balance. Yeah. I'd like to give an analogy and then I'm hoping that you can be like a truth speaker for us, Melissa. Ready. Mm. So I'm thinking about building a house and reading science and high quality materials, they're the foundation. They're the Mm -hmm. framework of the house. But then once the house is built and, you know, the the frame is built and all of the things start to go in, like the floor and the tile and the countertop, that's the artful stuff. That's the creative stuff. Yeah. You can have fun with it. That, But only after... (laughs) The frame is there. And it's and it has to be solid. Right? Solid. It has to be really right. solid. Right. <laughs> or you're going to be exactly. in trouble. <laughs> exactly. So that's kind of how we're thinking about it. And I do think the science has to come first and the frame has to come first. 
Yeah. And I think that's what gave us a little bit. I don't, I don't want to say it. It's what made us like sit in a place of uncomfortability. That's not a word. Yeah, discomfort. <laughs> discomfort is a better, <laughs> that's the right word. That's what I was looking for. Um, because, you know, we just talk so much on this podcast about how we didn't get trained in the science, how a lot of teachers are in the classroom right now and haven't had training in the science. And, and I think that's what made us just, you know, pause for a minute and go, okay, hang on. <laughs> well, you- it actually helped us a lot because you and I had a lot of longer conversations in depth about this. And then we were also able to talk more deeply with the authors about this and what their right. intent was both off, like before the podcast and on the podcast. Right. Yeah. Because you can't be artful if you don't have the, like you said, the foundations, if you don't have <laughs> that solid foundation, there of what the science says about how to teach reading, then when you're being artful, I mean, you're, you know, you're, you're putting on tiles that are just going to fall right off in a week. (laughs) Exactly. 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 I think about it like (laughs) before a child learns how to dance, but they're like just flailing all about, you know, just moving around and then they might learn ballet moves (laughs) or they might learn some hip hop moves and then they have like a structured dance, but then they can add their own flair to it. That's totally, you know, the same idea as this one. Absolutely. (laughs) With that, let's dive in. Let's talk about the structure of the book first. Um, So artful teaching has uh, kind of this idea that they are teaching with or that we're teaching with authenticity, aesthetically, and creativity. And we're using those three features and applying them to the five pillars, to assessment, to a connection to home. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to talk about what those three things mean? Can we talk about those? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think authentic, probably people know already, but (laughs) I will Mm -hmm. say, you know, it makes it real, right? It, It makes, it makes taking whatever's on the page and making it actually real for students, making some connections to them, making them feel like this, oh, why do I care about this? Right. It's making it real. For sure. And aesthetic means, you know, reading instruction that educates the mind and the heart. So, you know, how it feels, feels the emotional experience. And I think, why do I care about this? (laughs) Yes. That makes me think about, you know, some of my favorite teachers. I think that's where I probably connected the most in those aesthetic experiences. Yeah. And then I think the creativity, they don't define it explicitly like they do the other two, but it's woven throughout. And I think it's a little bit on both sides, right? Like letting the students be a little creative in some ways, but also the teacher, right? Letting the teacher have a little bit of creativity. So they're not that robot (laughs) just reading from a script, right? But you're making it real for you as a teacher as well. For sure. And I'm trying to look up the page. On page six, there is a graphic that... I think really encompasses what we're talking about here Mm -hmm. in terms of these three bigger ideas that lend themselves to the artful teaching. And that graphic looks like a big circle with a big thick outline that all around that outline says science of reading. And then inside is like kind of a triangle type of graphic. And it says authentic, creative, and aesthetic. And then in the very center, it says teacher judgment. 
I mean, I love that. I love that the teacher, the teacher is making the ultimate decision here of like when, when to do what, right. When to be, make it more authentic, when to be creative, when, you know, to make it more aesthetic, Mm -hmm. but (laughs) the like boundary, right. Surrounding it is the science, right. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you want to do those things, but you also want to keep it grounded in the science and not just go off the rails (laughs) and just being like, yeah just throwing everything out and then just doing what you think what you want to do right as a teacher what you think the students want to do but making sure they're getting what they need yeah it's making me actually this is making me think about um natalie wexler's very recent piece and in that piece she shared how when teachers were given high quality materials that they were shocked at what their students could do And it came from like, there was like a third grade teacher and a middle school teacher. There were teachers of different grade levels. And then also the students liked the repetition in the instructional routines. It like Mm -hmm. made them feel comfortable. It made them feel like they knew what they were doing. It built their confidence. It helped them, you know, feel like there was some continuity from grade level to grade level. And I thought, and also from school to school, right. They said it was, uh, uh, the teachers that they interviewed, um, we're in a kind of a transient space and um, both teachers and students would be shifted often. And that was very helpful there as well. So I kind of think that that's a really important thing to note that like those grounding features helped. And when teachers thought that students might not be able to handle it, that students surprised them. And I think sometimes, yes, teacher judgment is really important, but we also have to keep that in mind that like kids often surprise us with yeah. what they can do. Well, that reminds me know. of, you know, the TNTP report we talk about all the time, the opportunity mm-hmm. myth, right? And, you know, the judgments that you're making here should not be, I don't think my students can do this, so I'm going to make it easier for them. That's a great <laughs> right? point. The judgment should be something like, go ahead. Right. Well, I'm just thinking like, you know, based on the science of reading, how do I get them here? <laughs> Right. How do I help them access this skill in a foundational skill lesson? How do I help them better understand the text here? How do I help them understand the vocabulary in this text? Right. Exactly. Right. Yep. I think that's a really important distinction. That's really important. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. And and we can link link the study too for those folks who haven't read it. That's one of my favorites. I know. We we, we said we were going to do a little. We said we're going to do a podcast on it. Book talk. I don't know what we call that. That's not a book talk. An article talk. (laughs) An article talk. (laughs) A research. We could do a research talk. A study talk. Research talk. I like that. (laughs) Study talk sounds like a a high school class period. (laughs) So maybe not. We won't won't title it that. Let's do that. (laughs) The one other thing it reminded me of was um, I remember Kareem Weaver when we had him on. He kind of surprised me when he was talking about culturally relevant um, texts. I think we were talking about text specifically. Um, but, you know, I'm, I w- will say I'm no expert in culturally relevant instruction or texts. But he, he surprised me a little when he did say, like, uh, like don't, don't tell me that kids can't relate to Shakespeare. They can. It's the teacher that has to make it relevant. And this reminds me of that a lot, right? It's like, okay, you might get a text that is not immediately something relatable to students, but you know, like in wit and wisdom, how do you make it relatable? Okay. 
what is love, right? Like, okay, <laughs> like now you have something that an eighth now your eighth graders are to. like, oh, hey, <laughs> <laughs> I'm here, <laughs> right? Because, and I think that's what, like, you know, like you're you're not saying, okay, we're not going to teach Shakespeare at all. Just take it off the table. You're saying, okay, I, this this particular text is not necessarily something <laughs> I know my students can relate to right away. But if I'm a little creative with it and you know, appeal to those feelings and emotions that I know they have, then, then we can make a connection here and we can get to, you know, helping them comprehend this text because I'm, I'm making it a little more uh, relatable to them. Yeah. That's so important. Thanks for, uh, for bringing that up about Kareem too. That's it. I, I love that. I forgot about that. <laughs> so let's think about how, you know, we have to know the science in order to be artful. Mm -hmm. And the authors do propose that artful teaching is integrated into our instruction. Um, So we thought we would talk about some examples. Um, Melissa, do you want to talk about Kristen Poppins first? Yeah, well, she she popped into my head a lot (laughs) during this because she has a curriculum, right? And we've, we've said it on the podcast when we had her on and her team, they use units of study, which, you know, we don't necessarily promote. We definitely don't. Um, I was like, that was very nice of you. I know. I was like, maybe maybe too kind. Uh, (laughs) But, but what she did was she, she went first her on her own to learn the science, right? And she went and did her own teaching, you know, her own study of some, some texts and learned what the science and research said about how to teach. And she went and said, okay, this is what is happening in my curriculum. I'm not throwing it out because it's our curriculum. It's what we have to teach. But mm-hmm. I know there are things from what I just read that my students need. So for instance, you know, she did a lot of work with phonemic awareness and then her and her team, <laughs> whole kindergarten team did a lot of work with that. And they brought in the things that we talked about on the podcast, like using those sound walls, using rhyme mats, use it, and, and not just using those things, but the what comes behind it, right? Like teaching students the sounds of the words as they're also learning the letters so that, you know, they're making, making more sense of it. They, you know, they did all of that. They added onto it. And I don't think this is necessarily you know, relating it to their lives or anything like that. But they were being creative with what they knew their students needed, right? So they're making that teacher judgment based on what they had and the science and and, and making making it work for their kids. I think some of it, what, you know, when you watch the videos of the kids, you know, so are they singing songs? They weren't really singing songs, right? It was more of like a chant that they had. Yeah, like a chant. Yep. But like that kind of thing was definitely motivating. And, um, you know, the rhyme mats were something that, you know, they were able to then, you know, make it uh, tactile so the kids could could also like use, you know, use their hands to make, see where the sounds were going. You know, so just those kinds of things that they added those things on, right? Those were not in their curriculum. They just knew that these are helpful for their students to get them where they need to go. Sure. And she thought about what was effective in this, in like the guardrails that she had. Right. And that's what I think this is about. Like, what do I know to be effective? What does research tell me that's effective within the guardrails that I have? Now, like optimally, you'd have high quality materials and your guardrails would be a little bit wider. Right. But if you don't and you're limited, then that's a different place to be. And acknowledging that up front, I think, is important because it helps you move forward knowing where you can go, you know, where you can pull out and kind of push in. Yeah. Yeah. And for her knowing like, okay, even though I have this curriculum that I don't 
agree with, <laughs> you know, knowing like, I'm going to take the three queuing out of this, right? Like when they get to those things that I know are just not what needs to happen, we're not going to do it. <laughs> I'm going to skip it over, skip right over it. <laughs> right. Right. I'm thinking about, you know, in uh, Baltimore, we have foundations and mm-hmm. I'm thinking about in, for example, in level one foundations, one skill that students learn is to distinguish long and short vowel sounds. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was thinking if I wanted to be artful in that, I would teach the lesson as intended. I would stick to my tier one curriculum. I would teach my lesson. And then after that lesson, I would have students maybe practice sorting words into long and short vowel categories. And that would be the artful integration. Mm -hmm. So they could be working with a partner. They could be working independently. They could be working at a center. They could be working at a kidney table with me, with students who might need more support. And that's why I was thinking that artful piece would come in outside of what I've already taught in my tier one. and. That's what I think is important. You know, we're not like necessarily changing things. Like you said in the beginning, we're adjusting to help the students that we have in front of us really solidify their understanding. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for a purpose, we're doing this for a purpose. Exactly. No, no. I was just saying, and and those kinds of ideas like word sorts and word ladders, they're, they're in the book, right? So if you want to learn more about those and others, they're in there so you can read them. Um, but I was also thinking about Baltimore because, you know, teachers have had fund- had foundations for a really long time, and then they got Haggerty on top of foundations. And I think the like thing that brought it together in Baltimore was getting the letters training. Mm-hmm. So then they had this, you know, they had the knowledge of the science of reading, and they were able to say, okay, I have these two programs. If I just literally teach them both from the box, <laughs> just as they are. It's honestly probably not going to, like, don't kill me, but it's probably not going to be terribly effective if you just literally do exactly what it says every single day, right? And having that teacher knowledge and being able to tie them together and say, okay, this is what's happening happening with phonemic awareness and Hagerty. This is what's happening in phonics with foundations. Tying these together, I'm seeing what my kids need, and I'm doing, you know, these, you know, extensions that are getting that, you know, getting them even more practice for what they need. That yeah. that's when things are going to come you together. You haven't even mentioned geodes yet, right? We have geodes. I didn't in even. Too. I did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. A whole nother one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's like another opportunity to to be artful and you could have students reading together. I mean, I it's, I think it's kind of about multiple things. It could be about the approach. It could be about the structure, it could be about the instructional routine. It, yep. Being artful could be lots of different things. It could look lots of different ways, but at the core, it is keeping to what students need after we've taught that tier one, after we've taught the standards, you know, after we've taught the skills that we need to teach them, after we've taught, um, you know, the, I don't want to say skills for comprehension, but after we've, after we've taught the text. And I think that that's important, you know, or the curriculum, I think that that's important to say. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point too, of like a lot of this could probably come, you know, after you've taught something and you have some students who aren't getting it, right. That's probably where this is needed even more because the kids that get it the first time, or probably never the first time, but <laughs> maybe, maybe it is the first time I shouldn't say that. Uh, but you know, if, if they're, if they're not getting it, that's when I think you need to be even more artful because you know, something, something's a, a not different approaches needed. Yeah. 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 Or 
extension. Like these are, I think, mm-hmm. huge opportunities for those who need extension or, yeah. Yeah, how do you, like, you know, another round of teaching or another couple rounds or just more practice. Or maybe it's, it's a way for students to connect around learning a new skill you know, or a new vocabulary word. There's so many opportunities here yeah. or comprehension, right? Like hearing someone else's perspective and really stamping what's happening in the text for them based on what someone else thought might be happening. You know, I just think it seems all of this is very exciting. <laughs> Lots of exciting opportunities here. Yeah. Do you want to dive into comprehension? Are we ready for that? Mm-hmm. I think we should. <laughs> Cause I think that one's a little messier or fuzzier. It always is. Yeah. Oh, it always is. Of course. (laughs) Um, Comprehension is complicated. (laughs) Yeah. But I think I was a little nervous with, for the book at first, because, because I do think a lot of times I hear that, you know, what we hear from the opportunity myth is just like, oh, well, this book is hard or my kids aren't going to like this book. Can we just like have a different book? <laughs> like, 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 yeah, that, I see that, that a lot on be, social media too. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, that would be the choice that the teacher wants to make is, is just, let's just scrap this book <laughs> and do something mm-hmm. different. Well, and to, in all fairness, we've told the story a hundred times. You and I also thought like, well, why don't we just change this? When we, when we were first reading through Witten Wisdom, remember like our first read, oh, first cold read of it, we were like, let's just absolutely. change this and that. Your innate, <laughs> like our innate impulse was to change what we had in front of us. And then we realized, oh, yeah. we can't change it. Yeah. It re- and I want to give a, an example from a teacher that I know here in Baltimore. Should I say her name? Just do you think she would mind? I think you should because I think she's awesome. <laughs> she is awesome. So we have a teacher here in Baltimore, Laquisha Hall. Um, and she was teacher of the year at some point recently. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's a high school teacher, and you know there was there was a book in our high school curriculum that didn't always go over well, which was Persepolis. And, and I think that was one of the like, you know, immediate reactions was just like, our, like our kids cannot relate to this, right? It's about the Iranian revolution. Like that is just, they don't get it. Right. And I just remember her and I don't, I don't know her classroom well enough to know like a hundred percent what she did. But what I do know that she did was like, okay, <laughs> this is a text that my kids aren't going to relate to immediately. <laughs> But where can I find those ties? And I remember her talking a lot about like, just the, you know, like, um, the, you know, the violence that happens here in Baltimore and the, you know, the violence that, um, I forget her name. I was trying to remember the name of the character, but, but that the character okay. was experiencing in, in Iran at the time. And, you know, how that affects you as a teenager when you're seeing these like things happening around you. And when she was able to connect that to like, their world here in Baltimore and how there are similarities, even though, you know, it's not a war here in Baltimore, but like, you know, some of what our kids are facing every day of like, you know, the number of murders that are happening around them is, is definitely affects them. Right. And when she made that connection, yeah. When she was able to like say like, yeah, this is different, but there's some similarities and like, you can, feel similar to how she's feeling, then they were like, okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm in this and with you. <laughs> it makes me think about texts as mirrors, mirrors and windows. Like even if I had students who might not be able to outright, you know, connect to that in terms of like looking around their space and seeing that. Right. I still think it's important for them to be able to look out that window and think, wow, there are other places in this world where people are experiencing that. And yeah. I think we would all want that for our children to you know, not be confined by the four walls of where they live or right. 
you know, and make sure that that or where they're learning and make sure that that space is open right. to them. Yeah. And that's that's that aesthetic part, right? Of like, you know, it's just educating the mind and the heart, right? Like you for sure. You're also like being empathetic to other people's situations and what's happening in the world. Yeah. You know, I think some of the things that they mention in the book in terms of, you know, creative demonstration of comprehension yeah. were uh, things like reenactments, student produced movies, writing parodies, comic strips, writing the author. And so much of this makes me think about um, in Wind Wisdom, the instructional routines, but also just in high quality materials in general, this is baked in. You can see like, you know, a lot of these creative pieces baked in. I th- mm-hmm. One of my favorites uh, is the tableau and mm-hmm. where students have to like essentially think about what's happening in a scene of the text and then create that scene using their bodies and do they don't actually move. It's just like a a non-moving portrait. (laughs) (laughs) And, but it's not even about that moment that they recreate. It's about the six, seven minutes before when they are animatedly talking to each other, just talking about the text and talking about the characters or talking about what's happening and then figuring out where they're going, where they're going to stand and what their face is going to express and how their arms are going to be and their body language. And all of that is comprehension. (laughs) You have to understand what's happening in order to execute that. So, and I think that's a lot of what, to me, that exemplifies like the creativity and, and the, in teaching. (laughs) Yeah. And I love that you said, you know, a lot of that is baked in, like you can see some of this already there in the curriculum. So I love that, you know, some of the artfulness has been done by curriculum writers, but that doesn't also mean you can't as a teacher add on to that. Right. I know like totally here in Baltimore, um, Kier, who we've had on the podcast, I I remember actually going to an event he held after they read, um, but not buddy. Yeah. Um, I loved this. And like all, all, every one of his kids made this, like made a suitcase of what Bud would have brought with him on, on his journey. Um, and then he invited people to come in parents and I was, I was invited. Other people were invited and the, you know, the kids would tell it, tell like why they chose what, what they put in his suitcase. Like to like, you could see their comprehension of the text by, you know, what through those choices. Totally. And, and they just thought it was like, awesome. Right. <laughs> they, they were like, this is so cool. Um, but I could see it from, from, just from that, that they, you know, they understood this text because they can tell me about why they chose these things for this character. Um, and another, like, I know we had the skinny Atlas teachers and, uh-huh. and, li- and librarian on, they popped in my head because, they did some of this too, right? Like they took a virtual field trip, but I think they were, they're making those videos of the mm-hmm. volume of reading texts. Like, like that, that stuff's not in the curriculum. That, that was them taking it like a step further. Right. But it is motivating. It's connecting totally. to students. It's providing them a real world experience, right? It's helping them to speak for maybe down the road when they're interviewed on a podcast (laughs) or to speak when they have to have a job interview, right? They're recording themselves and then talking so that people can understand they're communicating ideas. All of that is really important stuff to learn for the real world. Yeah, (laughs) And I think that's what this book is talking about when they talk about artful connection to teaching and you know, artful connection to the science. Yeah. And it's also just like motivating, right? Like maybe I... I don't want to just read another book in the volume of reading, but 
if I get to make this video after, <laughs> like, that's kind of cool. <laughs> Super fun. I mean, I just always think of my fifth grade class. I don't know why. I think that age just like they were so game for anything. And if, I mean, it just took like an ounce of an idea to make anything fun. <laughs> it's so true. I feel the same way about sixth grade. Sixth grade was very similar. <laughs> yeah. I know. I just, I just think kids are... And I think part of it too is the way, like you said in the beginning, Melissa, when you present as a teacher and you are motivated and excited about whatever it is, that makes all the difference. You know, if you went in and you were like, we're going to do this cool thing today called a a student produced movie, they'd be like, wow, that's a lot of work, you know, (laughs) but if you're building it up and I think teachers do this, it's so fun to think about the exciting way that we Think about creatively enhancing what we have and then sharing that with our students. It brings so much love and joy to the classroom. Yeah. 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 And I think, I mean, some of those things can be big, like taking field trips, things like that, but others can just be small. I remember even I read A Long Walk to Water with sixth graders and we we tweeted the author. Like they all had to like write a tweet to the author. Oh, did you tweet the actual author? Yeah. And yeah. she and she actually like wrote us back, which was they were like, what? Oh my gosh, that's so cool. <laughs> or tweeted us back. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, they just thought that like it, it was so simple. It took, you know, half of a half of one period for them to do that. But it was just yeah, like the tweet's very short. Yeah. But it has to be so, meaningful in those short amount of words. Right. But then to get something back from the author, you know, it was like, oh man, like <laughs> this just made it real. Yeah. 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 I just, the excitement that they <laughs> would have that connection to an author is so cool. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Fun. Well, I think this was such, I think a fun conversation to have because it helped push our thinking and, and helped us kind of connect two sides of reading that we don't always talk about on our podcast. So I'm glad that we had the opportunity to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And I always say that I think we can get very black and white in education (laughs) and tend to like do one thing or the other. So I think you bringing your Dr. Becky quote back up of two things can be true and reminding us, yes, we can, we can, we can use a curriculum and we can follow the science of reading and we can also be a little bit artful within that is really important. Thanks for listening, Literacy Lovers. We release a new podcast episode every Friday and share more resources in a newsletter on Tuesday. Sign up for our newsletter at literacypodcast.com. Each week, you'll receive important information, resources, and connected content. We're excited to create a space for community discussion about our podcast. We want to connect with our listeners and support you in answering your questions. But we also realize there are a lot of other educators out there who have great advice and experience too. Let's keep learning together in our Melissa and Lori Love Literacy podcast Facebook group, and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter. If the content in this episode helped you, share with a fellow educator and teacher friend. Our Literacy Lover community welcomes educators at every stage of their learning journey. We're so glad you're here to learn with us. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts and guests of the Melissa and Lori Love Literacy Podcast in this episode are not necessarily the opinions of Grey Minds PBC or its employees.